there, and welcome to Furry Explained. I'm Finn, a big black cat from the internet, and Furry Explained is my show about furries and their culture. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about furry art, which I know sounds simple and straightforward, but there's a surprising amount of stuff to talk about. Despite its relative simplicity, furry art has an interesting backstory on how it came to be and why it's so popular for not only furries, but for the general population as well. We'll go over some of the different types of furry art an artist could draw for you, and what pieces you should consider getting for yourself. Speaking of which, the bulk of this episode is actually going to be on the process of commissioning art properly. It's the primary way that you or anyone gets art of their characters, but the process isn't as straightforward as it seems. There's a certain way of going about the commissioning process that will keep you and the artist happy, and not following some basic guidelines could prevent you from getting art in the first place. And trust me, you don't want that to end up happening to you. Furry art is what the fandom runs on and is universally appreciated by members of the fandom. So we're going to make sure that every time you want to get some art, you can get some and establish good artist-to-commissioner relationships along the way. That's what we're here to do today, so let's get into it. Welcome to Furry Explained, and we'll get started right here. So what exactly is furry art? Furry art is the term used to describe artwork featuring anthropomorphic animal characters, with the main audience for this art being members of the furry fandom. This includes art of fursonas, avatars, characters from a story, and other things of that nature. This makes someone who creates furry art a furry artist, though I feel like that term is making things a little too specific. Just because someone draws art of anthropomorphic animal characters doesn't automatically make them a furry artist. Because of this, sometimes a more general term is used to describe these types of artists. Anthropomorphic artists, or just anthro-artists for short, make anthro-art, which keeps the subject of human-like animals but strays away from the whole furry aspect of things. This is done for a number of reasons, including the perception that the artist has of the furry fandom, or because it's their choice to not want to be associated with furries, which is totally fine. Just because you like or create art of anthropomorphic animals doesn't mean you're obligated to be a furry or join the fandom. Now, there are all sorts of different types of creations that can fall under the category of furry art. These include small pieces like stickers, to larger ones like posters, to actual physical objects like plushies and even fursuits. But for the sake of simplicity, we'll mainly stick to talking about more traditional furry art, things like drawings or paintings that may be physical or digital. Even though each art piece is unique and different from one another, most furry art shares a set of common traits that ties it to the category. Even though each piece is unique and different from one another, most furry art shares a set of common traits that ties it to the category. Typically, art that depicts humanoid figures with animal-like traits is all that is needed to meet the criteria that connects to furry or anthropomorphic art. Art like this starts out by taking the base of the human body and then adding, subtracting, or completely replacing human features and supplanting them with features of animals. For example, a character might start off with a basic human shape, but things like the ears could be changed in size and location to better represent that of an animal's. Something like a tail could be appended to the rear, and probably the most obvious one, fur could be added to cover the skin. 
But like I mentioned earlier, these are just common conventions. There's a wide range of how an artist chooses to integrate the furry aspect of things into their character. Art that features completely non-humanoid animals, whose anthropomorphic traits only include their facial expressions, dialogue, or range of emotions acted out, still counts as anthro-art. On the flip side, having art with human characters with animal-like ears or tails, which is popular in anime art, also counts as art that is anthropomorphic in nature. These two extremes, and everything in between, can be included in the given category, which is why anthro-art is seen in so many applications and is generally one of the most popular types of art that you'll find. But let's try to bring this back to the furry side of things. Art that is specifically targeted for furries has a rich history as well. The commonly accepted theory from fans of furry history is that furry art has its roots in the independent comic scene that stemmed from the sci-fi fan culture that was popular in the United States in the 1980s. I won't step too deep in the history of comics as that's far from my expertise, but around that time there was a wave of so-called underground comics, which gave rise to amateur press associations, where members who drew comics submitted multiple copies of their work to a central person, and then that individual turned around and redistributed all of the collected copies back out to the contributors. This is where a lot of furry-related comics and the art within them actually got their start. Things like Steve Gagliacci's Albedo and Reed Waller's Omaha the Cat Dancer were comics that were circulated in some of the more popular APAs and are considered to be cornerstones to the beginning of the furry genre of art and the fandom as a whole. Fast forward to today, furry and anthropomorphic art in general is still extremely popular and most of it doesn't explicitly target the furry audience. I mean, just think about it. Think of all the advertising, movies, TV shows, and other media that feature characters with both human and animal features. This type of art is truly for everyone to experience and enjoy, and furries just have that extra level of interest in it as it serves as the visual depiction of what the fandom is centered on as a whole. Art is still the main thing that keeps this fandom together, and the actual creations from members of the fandom have evolved as well, going from the original comics to things like music, comedy, voice acting, sculpting, and of course, fursuit making. There are a number of places to go and find furry-related art as well, and one of the cool things about something like art is that, honestly, anyone can pick up the skill and make their own. In fact, I'm going to go a little off-script here and talk straight with you for a second. Most artists that you actually consider really talented have just practiced more than you. Sure, some people are born with the knack of picking up the mechanical movements for drawing, but no one is truly great at anything they do without consistent practice. That's why a lot of artists actually dislike being called talented. They see it as discounting the countless hours that they put in behind the scenes working on their craft. And the thing that people miss is that most of the time they're not going to show you all the time they put in. But that's really the secret to being good at really anything. The good news is that you can also be a great artist that can contribute to the lifeblood of this community. It's just going to take some time and effort. But if you're like me and don't really prioritize getting better at art, there's definitely someone that is and is willing to make art for you. In fact, one of the most popular things that almost all furries do is get art for themselves and their characters. This typically includes art of their persona, but could also be collab pieces with other furries, surprises for their friends, or just something to put up on their wall. But commissioning art can be a complicated process, and doing it properly is important to set up good artist-to-customer relationships. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll go over the typical process of commissioning some art, and go over some things that you can do to make sure that you do it properly. We'll be right back.
All right, we're back. So we've talked a lot about the history and how cool Anthro and specifically furry art is, but we never really discuss how to get some art in the first place. I think it's important to go over the actual process of getting a commission, since if you decide to stick around in the furry fandom, it'll end up being one of the activities that you partake in the most. So let's go over the commissioning process and how you can go about getting some art. And we'll start with the obvious. You'll need to know what thing you're getting art of. This can be anything original that you come up with, but a vast majority of the time, it'll be one of your personas. And for that reason, and for the sake of simplicity, the rest of the examples in this episode will be about getting art for your persona. Now, we did an entire episode on personas a few shows ago on episode 2, so if you don't know what a persona is or don't have one for yourself, go back and listen to that or skim through the transcript on the site. But if you already have a persona or a character that you want to get art for, make sure you have all the details for that character ready for the artist to use. In most cases, you don't want the artist to have to guess how to draw your character. They want to get it right for you so you enjoy the art they make. Now, there are places where artists can take what's called artistic liberty, which means that you can use the design that they create for the actual design of your character. But I've only really seen that apply to commissioning something like a fursuit and rarely see it in getting a traditional painting or drawing. So disregarding that exception, make sure your character details are kept up to date somewhere. And by far, the easiest way to keep track of all those details is to have a reference sheet. I think I've mentioned ref sheets in every episode of this show so far, but in effort to finally give a more formal definition, think of a ref sheet as a guide to understanding the physical attributes and anatomy of your character. Ref sheets typically are specific pieces of art to show a character from as many angles as possible, so every bit of the body is detailed and outlined. This includes the main stuff, like fur color and patterns, but also includes smaller intricacies your character may have, like special colors for their pads of their feet paws. The ref sheet can also be a place to briefly describe your character's personality and other more intangible features. A lot of ref sheets will have a section just for facial expressions to give a sense of the personality of the character. And there should be some space on the edges of the sheet to add some quick descriptions of things like height, body type, gender, and other basic information. If you're still working on your character or not happy with the completeness of your ref sheet, I actually wouldn't commission any art until that is done, or at least in a spot that you're happy with. It's fine for your character to evolve over time and updating your ref sheet based on art that you get is normal, but you never want to submit an incomplete ref sheet to an artist. I mentioned it earlier, but don't make the artist guess. Trust me, they don't want to, and you don't want to say surprise me to an artist and then be disappointed with what you get. Now, if you don't have a ref sheet yet, don't worry too much. There are a couple things that you can do to obtain one. The most straightforward one is to draw it yourself, but look, I get it, not everyone has the skills or the time to do that, myself included. If you don't want to draw your own ref sheet, you can do one of two main options. You can pay to have one done, or you can use a free base and color over it. If you want a good, solid ref sheet to work with, I suggest the former of the two. And the process of getting a paid ref sheet is similar to getting a paid piece of art, so the rest of this episode will be relevant for that process as well. If you do go with the latter, well, it's not a bad place to start. Most bases include some good instructions on how to color over them. But again, since it's free, it's probably going to be a lot more general purpose in nature. So don't expect a design to accommodate any intricate details specific to your character, especially if you have something like a hybrid or a mythical creation. 
But assuming you have a character and a ref sheet ready to go, the next logical step is to look for some furry artists to commission. In this case, honestly, Google is your friend. Just searching up furry artists will bring up a bunch of places that you could find artists to choose from. There are some specific websites that most artists will display their work and accept messages for commissions, with some popular ones being Twitter, Fur Affinity, Reddit, and and I have Facebook on my notes here. I, I don't know if people still use Facebook anymore, but, but I think that's a good place to go get art as well. You can also find some great anthro artists on more general art sites like DeviantArt. And you don't even have to mention that you're a furry if you want to get some more generic anthropomorphic animal art pieces from someone on there. Check out some artists that pique your interest and take a look at their portfolios. It's good to get a sense of an artist's overall style, as some may work with the design and personality of your character more than others. Once you've found a few that you enjoy, check to see if those artists are open for commissions. Most artists work on a commission basis, which are official requests for art, during certain periods of time, meaning they're not always open for you to request new art 24-7. Because of this, most artists will have a queue with spots they will open up to fill. Once those spots are filled, they will close their queue and start working on that batch of art. You always want to check if an artist you want to commission has their queue open. If not, see if you can find when they will be open next or go to another artist for the time being. Oh, and quick tip, if the artist you want to commission is on a platform like Twitter, but their commission queue is currently closed, turn on their post notifications and keep an eye out for anything about opening spots in their commission queues. This will ensure that you have a good shot at getting a spot in their queue as soon as it opens. If an artist doesn't have their queue status posted anywhere, you can always ask, but we'll get into good commissioner-to-artist communication in a little bit. But let's say you have found an artist whose commissions are open. Make sure you take a look at their commission prices and ensure you can actually afford the art that you're trying to commission. And yeah, I won't sugarcoat things here for you. Furry art can get rather expensive, easily ranging from well over 50 bucks to hundreds if not thousands of dollars. This goes for ref sheets as well. They typically range from 20 to 100 bucks, but the average falls somewhere in the middle to anywhere around 30 to 50 dollars for a solid ref. But again, like I said earlier, you get what you pay for. There are some incredibly talented artists out there in the fandom, and owning a piece from them is usually well worth the cost. Also, while I'm on the subject, I might as well say this here. You should never expect to get free art from basically anywhere, except for maybe things like general purpose ref sheet line art. You should always be prepared to pay some amount of money in exchange for any good or service, and that definitely includes art of your character. But once you have your funds, it's time to formally ask an artist if they can make some art for you which may sound like the fun part, but actually ends up being one of the most difficult parts of getting art for many people. Listen, I get it. Social anxiety is a thing and it sucks. But I promise you, if you go about communicating with an artist properly, things will go smoothly. One thing that might help is to think about it like this. Whether these artists realize it or not, they're running a small business, meaning they actually want people to come and ask them to make art. And while it is true that many artists get enjoyment out of drawing and making others happy for the art that they create, for some, art is their entire job. So asking for an artist for a commission isn't bothering them at all. Actually, quite the opposite. They literally would rather have you spend money with them than for you to not say anything at all. And once you get over that first step of just reaching out to an artist and asking them if they can make something for you, things get a lot smoother. Artists will typically lay out how they want to receive their commissions, and it could be as simple as sending them a direct message. 
But there are some things to keep in mind when interacting with an artist that will make the process go well for both parties involved. The first and primary thing that you should have when communicating with an artist is patience. Remember, for many artists, this actually isn't their full-time job, and even if it is, they got a life as well. They may have to go to school, go to work, get food, and do all that other life stuff that we have to do just like you and me, meaning they may not be at their phone or computer when you reach out to them. In fact, just to be sure, I would wait one, no honestly two weeks before consecutive messages to an artist. If you send a direct message to one and they don't respond, don't send another one for at least 10 business days. This gives them enough time to process any and all the messages they might be getting from other people who may be wanting to commission them as well. Also, remember time zones are a thing, and an artist you may like may not live in the same country as you. So try to accommodate that difference as best as you can when communicating with them. If they do message you back, they should then walk you through the steps of what they need from you in order to start working on your piece, which typically boils down to your ref sheet and any other details that you couldn't fit on it originally. If the piece that you are commissioning is a ref sheet itself, make sure you have every last detail down about your persona to a T. Use your words to paint a picture in the artist's head so they can create exactly what you want while still drawing in their style. And again, throughout the entire communication process, be patient, considerate, and most of all, polite. We made that small business analogy earlier, but we have all heard stories or seen videos of customers in real brick-and-mortar businesses acting rude and speaking down to employees. You don't want to be that person in general, but especially not online to artists. This means don't do things like haggle for prices, don't guilt trip them to making you something for free. In fact, don't talk about how high or how low an artist's asking price is at all. It's their work and how much they value it after all, and if you think it's too high, you really shouldn't even bother sending them a message in the first place. Doing any of this kind of stuff could actually make you end up on a blacklist. Don't think for a second that artists don't communicate with one another, and they definitely have lists of people who they will instantly deny due to previous behavior. Just be a good customer and an artist should be happy to work with you. Once you've given all the details of your character to your chosen artist, it's pretty standard for you to have to pay up front for a piece, so be prepared for that. Sometimes, some artists will start working on your piece and show you line art or a rough sketch with a watermark over it to make sure that they're on the right track, and only after you sign off on that will they ask for payment. But typically, artists won't even start sketching before you pay them in full. Make sure you read the artist's contract or terms of service and be prepared to compensate them for whatever they ask for. And don't worry, in case you were wondering, these terms aren't nearly as long as something like an app or a website, so it's worth your time to read them carefully. Also, furries are well known for being good tippers, so if you like what they make in general, feel free to keep up that tradition and throw in a little something extra for them as a token of your appreciation. Most artists will use PayPal as their payment portal of preference, so make sure you know your way around that system as well. Another quick tip for PayPal specifically Make sure you use the goods and services option instead of the friends and family when sending payments for art. It helps with fraud protection and gives you something to fall back on in case the artist doesn't comply with their end of the agreed-upon exchange. But after you get your payment in, you should typically expect the artist to give you some kind of timeline on how long you'll have to wait before receiving your art. This could be a start date or a guarantee complete by date, but they should give you something to give you a rough estimate on when you should expect to receive your art. And if they don't, again, it's not rude nor bothersome to ask. Just be courteous, but direct. Ask them for as specific information as they can give. 
And then it's just a matter of being patient until you receive your art, which it's always a cool day to get some art that you've been waiting on for a while. When you do get your art, if there's anything that looks off or anything minor that you want altered, communicate that as soon as possible. Most are fine with small changes in things like eye color or making the ears a little bit more pointy, but some artists will have a limit on how many things you can change. Again, the earlier you communicate this, the better. But hey, congratulations! Now you have an art piece and it's yours to enjoy. Print it out and hang it up. Save it as your desktop wallpaper and if you're wondering what to do next, get some more. It's nice to have a good portfolio of art for your personas that you can use for different contexts. Some good basics to have are things like a picture for online profiles and a badge for a fursuit, if that's something you eventually want to get. But I'll reiterate it again, once you get some, you should definitely look to get more art of your character or characters. Artists are the true lifeblood of this fandom, and we are so lucky to have such an abundance of talent that can make you really anything that you want. All you have to do is follow these general guidelines, and you too will have a portfolio full of the visual representations of what this fandom is all about. Anthropomorphic and furry art. Alright, that's it for this episode of Furry Explained. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I really hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something new today. As always, if you want to continue the conversation about furry art or have any other feedback for the show in general, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Finn the Panther, and a link to my Twitter is down in the show description, along with all the other references I use when creating this episode. If you like the show and want to support it, the best way you can do that is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, make sure you give the show a rating and a review as well. You can also tell people about the show, and I'd greatly appreciate it if you did that as well. We'll be back next week for another episode of Furry Explained, but until then, stay wild out there. Peace. This goes for ref sheets as well. They typically range from 20 to 100 bucks, but an average falls somewhere in the middle. Because that's what an average is at the end of the day. You take the smallest number and the largest number, add them together, then divide it by two, and that gives you the number directly in the middle. There's, there's your quick math lesson for you guys. I didn't expect that to come out in this episode, but hey, there you go. <laughs>